Hi there, I'm Chris Stevens, and this is the Psychology to Live By podcast. In the previous two podcasts, I suggested ways to identify our purpose for our holidays, how to plan the holiday to meet that purpose, how to implement that plan, and problem solve the most likely challenges and obstacles. So today's podcast is a deeper dive into how we can actually enjoy each day of our holiday a little more. I'd like to start with an observation. People in rich countries appear to be finding it harder to actually enjoy themselves. This is somewhat paradoxical because they're also more and more engaged in pleasure-seeking and generally living standards have risen over the past decades. So you'd think we'd be really enjoying ourselves. Well, broad-scale research tells us this is not the case. But actually, there's nothing new about this particular difficulty. Socrates, no less, observed a very long time ago that the secret of happiness is not found in seeking more, but in developing the capacity to enjoy less. It turns out we have to develop our capacity for enjoying and not just collect and consume pleasures. The upshot of this is that even with the best laid plans and strategies to prioritise time for enjoyable activities on our holidays, we may, in terms of enjoyment, still snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. We may have made space and time, but we can't rest on the beach we can't relax with our family. So let's look at what we can do about increasing our capacity for enjoying each day a little more. I think a good place to start is with Arthur Brooks' suggestion in The Atlantic that happiness is not a feeling but is a complex state of mind nourished by what he calls three macronutrients, enjoyment, satisfaction and purpose. In his words, happiness is a direction, not a destination. Or again, happy feelings are evidence of happiness. So these three macronutrients, these three things, are big topics in themselves. And I'll confine myself to some very brief suggestions on how to improve on each. So let's start with enjoyment. Enjoyment and pleasure are not the same thing. Pleasure is something that happens to you, whereas enjoyment is something that you create through your own effort. For example, how much you actually enjoy a meal is partly to do with the food's taste, but also the joy one derives by savouring and appreciating it. How often have you hardly even noticed the delicious flavours of the excellent food that you've eaten? The key is purposefully attending to and appreciating things. It turns out that a big part of enjoyment and happiness in general is committing to this type of active appreciation and then actually remembering to pay attention in the moment. Here's my hypothesis that enjoying each day a little more is a deliberate practice. Now, on the surface, that seems a no-brainer. But just think about it a little more. 
On days when things are going well, that seems pretty easy. But what if, objectively speaking, it's a bad day? How am I supposed to enjoy that? Doesn't my enjoyment depend on what happens? Well, it's not irrelevant, of course. But enjoyment refers to more than what happens on any given day. I often use an equation that helps illustrate this point. Reality plus mindset equals experience. Now, of course, the bad events or realities in our day contribute to our ultimate experience. If someone we love is very unwell, we break our leg or we lose our business, I'm not suggesting we'd be happy about that or that we should try to ignore or repress it. But how unhappy we will be is also determined by our mindset. And it depends on two things, what we pay attention to and the manner of that attention. For example, in terms of what we're attending to, do we fixate and ruminate on things that are beyond our control? Even if our thoughts are realistic about our misfortune, is it helpful to maintain a dogged focus on it? Does it prevent us from finding other things to enjoy, even on a difficult day? And can we pay attention with a general gratitude and with equanimity? Can we acknowledge all the things that we do have and not only the things that we have lost or not yet attained. This is a type of realistic optimism, attending to what we can truly be grateful for rather than focusing on the bad, and what we can do rather than being depressed by what we can't. No matter what's happening, we can be more appreciative and engage more mindfully in all we do. This brings us to Brooks' second happiness factor, satisfaction. There's been quite a deal of research into two mental attitudes that determine satisfaction. Whether you are a sat... Herbert Simon, way back in 1956, combined two words, satisfying and sufficing, to create the word satisficer. It describes a person who is happy with whatever they have, who has a capacity to be satisfied with less. By contrast, maximizers are always wanting more. They suffer under the pressure of high self-expectations and whatever they have is not enough or not good enough. They focus on what they don't have versus enjoying what they do. And the research is clear. Satisficers feel more satisfied with their life and it makes them happier. The trick is to attend to what we have, not to what we don't have, and this way, we'll enjoy more and more of each day. It's also important that we gain satisfaction from achieving life goals. So getting a raise, a promotion, getting married, having kids, losing weight, putting on muscle, mastering a musical piece and so on, all these things can and do bring us satisfaction. But as you know, such satisfaction fades pretty quickly. So in short order, we need a new goal to chase that feeling of satisfaction again. Are we therefore destined to be always wanting more? 
is this another form of the hedonic treadmill as each satisfaction inevitably fades? Well, the answer is no. If we, as James Clear puts it, focus on the ritual, not the result. We want to fall in love with activity as an end in itself. Daniel Coyle's wonderful book, The Talent Code, captures this beautifully in the concept of deep practice. This is a key element that sets apart the very highest achievers. They are doers. They enjoy the doing. They pay deep attention to tiny flaws and improvements, which draws them into rapt attention. The satisfying results they achieve are a bonus, a byproduct, which gives them even more feedback for more practice. Brooke's third factor is meaning and purpose. Now, people have very different views about what provides meaning and purpose in life, and we all have to find our own. But what we do know is that people with a sense of meaning and purpose are generally healthier, happier, and they tend to live longer. My belief is that love and connection do the most heavy lifting with respect to meaning and purpose. It's a commonplace that on our deathbed, we might have some satisfaction for having achieved a lot in life, but it's the relationships and the loving people around us that will really matter the most to us. Whatever meaning and purpose are for you, however you attain them, they will provide coherence in all that you do. And typically, this sense of coherence is gradually acquired by leading an examined life, by reading, thinking, meditating, having deep conversations and contributing to those around us. Once again, we see that making time and space is paramount. Also, we all want to contribute to something larger beyond self, to make a mark, to leave a legacy. Not some sort of ego-enhancing monument, but a sense of contribution, a sense my life has some resonance while I'm here and while I'm gone. And I think this can be experienced in many small ways. Sometimes gratefulness reminds us of what we did enjoy today, what was fun, what was satisfying, and of course, what had meaning and purpose. Sometimes acts of kindness towards others lifts us out of ourselves and we feel connected and we realise later, that made me happy. Sometimes it just takes us by surprise when we take the care to quieten down and simply be present to whatever's happening around us. So, on your holiday, one, increase your enjoyment by remembering to savour your experiences. Two, deepen your satisfaction by being present and grateful for what you have. And three, Find meaning and purpose in your experience by allowing there to be space and time for the deeper significance of things to impress themselves upon you. You've been listening to the Psychology to Live By podcast. If you'd like to know more, my website is drchris.life. And if you like the podcast, share it with people you like so they can like it too.